everyone and welcome back to the Bradley Bookish Podcast. Today we are going to be talking about the interview with the vampire movie, which came out in the 90s, I think. Early I 90s. Year. Early I 90s. I feel like it's between 92 and 94. 92 sticks in my head, but I don't know for sure. But I'm joined by Candace again. 94. 94? Okay. Yes. 1994. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Yeah. What a movie. Yeah. First of all. Yeah. I. Now that I'm an adult, I can see why my mom was really cheesed off that I tricked her into letting me watch it because I read the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my favorite thing about this movie is like how weirdly like I forget that like the 90s, they don't want to have gay characters and how weirdly they try to go around <laughs> So there's a lot of that in this movie, right? Like, it's it's the gay stuff, right? Where, like, there's, like, a bunch of really super obviously gay moments. There's a bunch of super mm-hmm. obviously gay lines. But they're presented, like, in a really roundabout way. And every time Lestat is like, I'm hungry for someone. And he always starts with a lady. A young lady. Mm-hmm. Or a man. It's fine. Men are also fine, I guess. Like, that's not how it is in the book. In the book, it's, I want a sexy dude. Um, and then I think, too, like the slavery element of it in the beginning as well right like i feel like they kind of did this thing where um i don't know like they give you louis is a slave owner right but that's because everybody at that time was a slave owner right they kind of passively kind of give that to you in the story Mm -hmm. and then like his slaves really like him so, like, they're really nice to him and stuff, which, like, in the book, his slaves do worry about him, right? Because they're like, what yeah. are we doing? Hello? Like, or can we go? You know what I mean? Kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like in an attempt to soften how Louis feels, like, like in an attempt to soften his his overall demeanor and his overall person, because obviously being a slave owner is not the look. In the 90s, they were like, we can't have that. We can't have an honest discussion about the fact that this dude had slaves. So instead, yeah. what we're going to do is we are going to kind of gloss over the fact that he has slaves. We're going to present the slaves as their own kind of like entity and other the fuck out of them. Right. And uh, also give you a really beautiful light skinned slave that serves him that like, isn't in the book. Um, And she's going to be like overly caring to the point where it seems passively romantic and flirty. Yeah. And it's creepy and weird. Um, Especially because you have that really powerful scene in the book where, like, Lestat um, kills that one enslaved man and his wife is like, I know what you guys are, right? She like She's confrontational. Mm-hmm. She's like, I know what you are. Like, I like the agency that the book gives the enslaved people um, on Louis' plantation because they're never fooled, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody else, like, all these white people are like, vampires, where? The black people are like, right fucking there. I'm looking at it right there. I'm pointing at your face. This one, this one is a vampire, right? Like they know, they know right away. Um, And I think they did a better job being inclusive in the book in a strange way, even though like there's still some shit that's like not all right that happens. Um, Yeah, it's weird. Like it's kind of weird. It feels feels weird. Nice cameo though, for anybody who is going to watch this, there's a nice cameo by Tandy Newton as Yvette. Mm -hmm um when she was a wee lass she's um best known for being uh missy's hormone monster on big mouth 
Uh, she is. That makes sense. In, I, I was like, she's the lead in Westworld voice? too. Oh yeah. Oh, Have you seen Westworld? I'm looking at this lady, and I'm like, like, why do I know her? <laughs> I know that, and like the stat looked very familiar as well. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know if I actually know you, but you look very familiar to me. Oh, you know him. <laughs> who, you who know is him. he? That's Tom Cruise. <laughs> what? Oh yeah, homie. Blonde it's, wing on Tom Cruise is it the is, most. It's bizarre, but it's honestly probably his best role acting in yeah. his entire career. I don't think oh I've ever God. seen that man not be Tom Cruise in any movie ever, and he's still Tom Cruise in this movie. Sometimes he gets a little so Tom Cruisey at some points, but he's great in this movie. Yeah. I genuinely believe that both actors, both Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise, as far as pure acting prowess not the quality of the movie not Mm -hmm. the quality of the character right how much you like the character but how well they act i think brad pitt and tom cruise this is honestly both of their best movies correct in my opinion like they knock it out of the fucking park like tom cruise is almost unrecognizable i'd say the only movie he is more unrecognizable in is tropic thunder when he's in that chunky suit and Mm -hmm. he has like the bald head and stuff but yeah that's Mm -hmm. tom cruise and he does a fantastic job he's a great Lestat and Rice handpicked him to be Lestat like a bunch of people came in for the role tried out and she was like everyone can go home it's this one the whole screenplay was written by Anne Rice by the way yeah I don't know if you saw that in like the in the opening credits but like she wrote the screenplay and was very very much involved in the making of this I am I am making sure that I call this out because I know that we were considering watching Queen of the Damned at some point. <laughs> and you need to be aware that she was not involved in that at all. And it yeah. shows. <laughs> oh, God. I do want to mention that I like Lestat in this movie, drastically yeah. more. Oh, yeah. Because I think it's funny watching Louis just be like, oh, my God, my life is so hard. I suffer so much. <laughs> and Lestat's like, bruh, if you don't pick yourself up, and enjoy the fact that there are no consequences to any of our actions. I'm literally going to leave you in the dirt. Yeah. He's way less whiny. Like Lestat is way less whiny. He's less demanding. The mm-hmm. relationship, because, especially because they cut out the, the whole thing with the brother, right? With, mm-hmm. with Louis' brother. Like, it's so funny. Like, I feel like she has um, put so much kind of care into removing things that like aren't necessary right rice has done like a lot of work to like take a lot out to like cut it down so that it's not forever long so i feel like the whole relationship with like louis brother and his sister and the neighbor and whatever Mm -hmm. right like it's i feel like what this movie kind of did (laughs) unintentionally was like Mm -hmm. undercut the book a little bit because i'm watching the movie and i'm like this is perfectly fine i did not need all of that in part one with all of those people like it didn't matter it didn't need to happen like it was all inconsequential like i'm Mm -hmm. i'm really racking my brain other all all it really does is set up why louis detests lestat so much right all it Mm -hmm. does is show like what a shithead lestat is which i understand right you have to establish that so that you can understand the rest of it but i feel like she just goes on and on and on there's so much of part one that like did not need to be a thing and her own writing shows that in the screenplay for this movie Mm -hmm. (laughs) unfortunately yeah like didn't miss any of that i love this version of lestat like yes. I would have loved him so much more as a character without oh, yeah. him having his whiny dad and all of the yes. stuff happening with Babette. And like mm-hmm. I know they tried to be like, see, Lestat's terrible. Okay, like look at him. He like drinks random people's blood, and I'm like, okay. Also, is vampire though? So yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of the job. 
I know they were trying to show off the fact that he still just like picks off one person from a family, but like they didn't do a good enough job for me to be like, but you know, uh, main man Louie just ate all of the chickens, which was the meals for every single person on this farm. So now they're mm-hmm. going to starve. Like, yeah. I'm not sure that's better. It's not, it's not better. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm saying though. Like, I feel like, I mean, even, even when Lestat comes and like crashes through the window to save him because Louis like sets the whole house on fire or whatever. Like mm-hmm. Lestat comes crashing through the window to get him and everything. He's like, ah, ah, look what you've done. Our house. How could you have done this to our home? I'm like, you are justified in your upsetness. Mm-hmm. I don't mind that it's getting burnt to the ground because it's a plantation and now all those people are free. So it's really inconsequential to me. But on a scale mm-hmm. of one to ten of fucked upness. Yeah, this is pretty serious. I'd be mad if I came home and my boyfriend fucking set fire to our whole apartment because he was yeah. mad that, you know, he has to fucking you know do a vampire (laughs) right do his fucking (laughs) job as a vampire i get it Mm -hmm. i totally understand um and i think too like something else that was ridiculous to me just to like circle back to this moment so the whole transformation scene like lestat is so there is a princeliness to him in this and Mm -hmm. there is a joviality to him in this that he does not possess as much in the book right i mean mm-hmm. in later books he does in later books he loosens up a little bit but in this first book because it's more like obviously it's it this is a version this is a picture of lestat told through louis eyes right it's not who lestat actually is it's who he is perceived by louis right to be mm-hmm. um but like the scene in the beginning when he like grabs louis he saves louis from that guy that was gonna like murder him right that was like mm-hmm. following him with that with that that, that sex worker that he was with and then yeah dumps him into the water after he's done feeding on him just like throws him into the water like fuck this guy and then like comes back to louis house and is all beautiful like listen if i woke up in the middle of the night and there was a beautiful blonde ghost in my room i'd be like what do you want and what do you need and how can i help you right like i wouldn't be like get out you evil thing i'd be like what are you doing how are you doing oh my god oh, you're really handsome your eyes are so blue um like so i feel like with uh with with like this version of Lestat like I don't know it it makes so much more sense and then when he transforms Louis like there I do feel there are some nice easter eggs for people who read the book like Mm -hmm. for example when Lestat transforms Louis in the in the uh graveyard right like that's Mm -hmm. a nod to the crypt like they even show like the crypt where the angel is and he can see the angel opening her eyes and all that stuff right like all of that happens in the book just in a different context right that's definitely his Mm -hmm. brother's his brother's like mausoleum or whatever the little the little like religious space he built for his brother um mm-hmm. so there's like all these like little like like little dips that you get um same thing with when louis is burning the house down and he sets fire to that portrait of a, of a beautiful dark-haired woman i'm pretty sure that's supposed to be his sister you know what i mean so like i think there are like little like little bits and pieces for people who who understand that there's a deeper story being told but I think the standout line for me in all of this, and it's 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 never failed to make me laugh. The first time I heard it when I was like in fifth grade all the way to now, every time I hear this, I'm just like, what the fuck does that mean? Why do you deliver this line like this? Now look with your vampire eyes. Like, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. I don't know why it makes me laugh. It's mm-hmm. so stupid. Like, look with your vampire eyes. Look at Look out with them look out Mm -hmm. with them in the world like it's like this it's supposed to be like mystical and it's supposed to be like really beautiful and magical and everything like but in my mind i'm just like i see like a contact lens case that says vampire eyes on it (laughs) you just Mm -hmm. like pick it up and stick it in your face you know like i don't know why that commercial 
but look, look with your special eyes and it's the contact commercial. <laughs> That's exactly what it's like. Yeah. It's, like, it's just so awkward. Like, it's just weird. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, I, mm-hmm. I, I feel bad because I know it's not supposed to be funny. I know it's not, but it is. <laughs> with your vampire I- eyes, capital V, capital E. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Trademark. Yeah. <laughs> One of my notes, too, that I had is Brad Pitt looking very veiny and he needs a haircut. And then we find out they can't get a haircut. No, they cannot. You have to look like that the rest of your life. (laughs) He needs a man bun then. Like, (laughs) it's so simple because doing that little pulled back ponytail, not working for anybody. No, it's very colonial. It's got that, like, Alexander Hamilton look without the pompadour in Mm -hmm. the front. Um Mm I think that. I saw, uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, I no, speaking of Pompadour, I saw a woman with those little bumps in the front, like as if it was two thousand and four, uh-huh. like out and about yesterday or What's on that? Wednesday, and I was like, "Ma'am, I I still rock a Pompadour. I will not be talked shit about. Okay, I still rock it sometimes. <laughs> I'll have you know, it is a classic rockabilly look. Sometimes you have to look like that." It feels good. I suggest. I highly suggest you try a tiny pompadour. I this was not it. a tiny one. This was like three inches, just bangs, and then the rest of it was down, as if it was two thousand five. Oh wait, it wasn't like in a ponytail. No. Okay, well that's a problem. Yes, that's an issue. If, you have, if you're rocking a ponytail with a pompadour, that's uh-huh. a nice look, right? That's cute. Mm-hmm. If you've got a pompadour and the rest of your hair is up, that's a good look. Mm-hmm. But pompadour with like. I mean, you might as well be wearing Birkenstocks with toe socks underneath. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not good. Yep. Correct. All right. All right. Fair, fair point, Rachel. <laughs> fair point. Okay. We can take it back. We can rewind it. I, oh, fine. Like, not, bring I'm up a silly bands at this point. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, everything comes back around. You're going to be so mad. In 10 years, you're going to be going to Target, and there's going to be all kinds of shit from when you were a teenager, and you're going to be like, why is this happening to me? It's happening to me right now. I walked into Target and I was like, oh, great. I'm so glad that we've got like these super ultra gigantic flares that are too skinny everywhere except the bottom. I'm so happy for this again. My thick thighs. I loved this as a child. And now I'm an adult who has even thicker thighs. Living my best life wearing skinny jeans still. I will not be shamed, Gen Z. I saw a woman on Facebook not realize that things come back around. And she said something about... um, like it was a photo of something. I don't remember what the main photo was, but in her comments, she goes, and I have all these records that'll never be played again. Cause who owns a record player? Oh, and honey. I was like, I <laughs> records, hate to break it to you. This is the first year in like 40 years that record sales outsold CDs. It's like the mm-hmm. first time in like 30 something, 40 years mm-hmm. that record sales have been this high. Like they are soaring. Mm-hmm. Oh no. Darling. My mother-in-law brought out her records when we went over for dinner the other day and she was like, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do with these. I don't know how I'm going to play them. And I was like, should we just go buy her a record player? Cause yes. they're like $50. A crossly turntable is a compact record player. It's like a hundred bucks. I bought yeah. my mom one so she could play all her records. Yeah. She was like, this is, this is too much candy. This is too much. I'm like, no, no, no. it's great. Try it. Yeah. And now she listens to it all the time. Um, I have an old setup. I actually got my record player from um, the trash outside an old person's house. Um, There was this this 55 and up community and this lady was like moving in with her family, I guess. Like I saw them helping her pack up and Mm -hmm. they put like all her stuff out on the curb 
and um, I was going to work and I was like record player. <laughs> so I went and I grabbed it and I like left it in like a plastic bag in my car for like two weeks to make sure that if there were any bugs or anything inside of it, like it was, it, it did just come out of her apartment. So I figured it was probably fine, but mm-hmm. um, I like left it in a plastic bag for two weeks and then the only thing it needed was a new needle and the new needle was like $20. Like it didn't need like nice. any work on it. Like I, I, I really lucked out. Um, but yeah, I don't listen. If you're, if your mother-in-law needs something to do with her records and doesn't want to play them, you let me know what she's got in her catalog and we can work something out. <laughs> Dolly Parton and Willie what? Nelson. I know those okay. for sure. Dolly Parton. Hell yeah. Okay. Yeah, Dolly, right. Parton, Dolly Parton is an always. Yes. I know. I was like, those they're saying like we gotta keep this you know mm-hmm. you can't just get rid of them because... do not let her get rid of them and honestly even if she wants to get rid of them i would sell them at this point like people want that yeah they're looking what I'm for saying mm-hmm. like and she's got probably like 50 of oh them. my goodness anyways <laughs> brad pitt yeah so neither one of these dudes can hold a mid-atlantic accent or a fucking I know. english accent or a french accent or any accent whatsoever everybody in this movie is american as fuck they're all mm-hmm. like what are we going to do now i'm like guys <laughs> you could at least pretend you're old um that being said again surprisingly good performances from all involved right like i'm not mad Something that I really like, too, is the hook that Anne Rice invents. And I feel like this doesn't really get said in the book. It's more like inferred or implied in the book. But Lestat's, I'm going to give you the choice I never had. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's a pretty good line. Because you've got to have, like, your villain has to have some kind of hook. You know what I mean? They've got to yeah. have, like a, like, a thing that they either say or do that shows them as being set apart from just a regular bad guy right Mm -hmm. and i feel like for lestat that's how he sets it up because it's like a really inviting line he wants more for you than he wants for himself even though it's not true he just wants you to like join him in his tricks and his capers um and i also really like the foreshadowing that he does too like there's a scene when they're in um before louis burns the house lestat is talking about um He's trying to get Louis to to uh, to bite Yvette. He's like, go for her. Like, just just take her. And Louis mm-hmm. is like, no, I'm not going to do that to her. Like, she works for me. Like, I care about these people. Like, I'm not going to do that. And Lestat, like, grabs, like, a rat scurrying across the table. And I'm like, there are just rats on your table back then? Fuck. Um, so he so. just, like, grabs the rat and, like, squeezes it into a glass. He's like, don't waste this fine crystal. Like, still trying to be bougie with, like, the rat blood. And he legit says, this is really good if you're ever stuck on a ship for mm-hmm. for a long extended period of time. And in my head, I went, that son of a bitch. Right? Yep. Like, yep. I really think Anne Rice, like, went above and beyond giving Easter eggs to people who read the book. Because, like, you know that things happen very differently in this story. It's not the exact same as the book. Things mm-hmm. get even more different as we move on. But I just like that she, like, still gives nods to, don't worry, I see you. Thanks for reading my book, pal. You know? Mm-hmm. yeah i like this is an adaptation that i'm okay with like yeah things were removed and i the only thing i don't like is that we made lestat and um louis straight for some reason yeah yeah but it's far straighter than they should be so i allow it <laughs> you know it's fine i guess but it, it is kind of funny because they're like there's all these different scenes where you're like, yeah, Armand and Louis, just homies, hanging out, yep. being bros. Friends. BFF. <laughs> I also think this version of Lestat, like, he gives, like, 
he gives Louis more information, like he's more willing to talk to Louis about stuff than Book Lestat, but mm -hmm. somehow still teaches him absolutely nothing. Is <laughs> still just as useless as he is in the book. Yep. Like, he's like, read her thoughts. Louis's like, what are you talking about? He's like, that that rich woman over there, read her thoughts. What is she what's she thinking? What's she saying? Louis's like, I don't fucking know. Lestat's like, you can't read. Oh, well, everybody has their gifts. I'm like, when is Louis getting his gift or is his gift bitching? It is bitching. I think bitching is Louis's gift. <laughs> he, he bitches so good that other vampires can't help but go, oh my God, all right. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, I'll do it. I'll do it. Whatever you want. Sheesh. <laughs> Please just make the suffering end. Yo, like, and especially with how gay the movie still manages to be. Like that mm -hmm. whole scene where they seduce the old woman and her like fop, like her dapper man. And like the two dogs are there. Mm -hmm. She has like those poodles or whatever. Like that scene also makes me laugh. So the young man, they like do a close up of his of his face and his like blushing cheeks and his like full pouty lips. And he's like mm -hmm. beautiful, this actor. Mm -hmm. Like whoever he is, I don't think he goes on to do anything, but he is absolutely gorgeous. And like mm -hmm. when I was a kid, I used to be like, mm, so beautiful. Such foreshadowing in this movie that I was gonna be a big old queer. Um <laughs> <laughs> and uh there's like that scene where like Louis is trying to like bite this old lady's neck and like her wig is like all in his face and he's like like spitting out her hair and stuff i'm like this is unintentionally hilarious i am dying right now and yeah. then he like just like tosses her aside and eats her dogs instead <laughs> she's like screaming my babies my babies i'm like this is so camp this is so yeah. camp like this is a very 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 queer movie i don't understand mm -hmm. why you guys are fighting it just just lean in steer into the skid guys steer in mm -hmm. it's okay this is going to oh. age super well if it's gay now. Trust me. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, such a tender heart. I can't, like... It's so funny, though. Like, it's just so funny. And I, I just... I love the different ways they're trying to get around them being gay. Like, mm -hmm. by making it, like, slightly more weird. <laughs> yep. Yep, just more awkward. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're in fucking... That scene with, like, the two prostitutes... And Lestat is just like, I don't even need a hand with these two ladies. I've got it. But Louis, also come over here and help me. Louis is so disgusted. Like, I love the, like, tension in every scene between Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise. Like, Brad Pitt's constantly looking at Tom Cruise like, ugh, I fucking hate you. And Lestat's like, what? What? Like, that's their relationship in a nutshell. Lestat does something. Huh? Louis goes, ah, oh, fuck, you're terrible. And Lestat's like, what? I'm trying to impress you. Will you not be yep. entertained by me? I'm really trying. <laughs> I'm really trying. I feel like you don't appreciate anything I do. And Louis's like, you're right. I don't. And I think it speaks volumes about both of these men that they could be in a shit-tastic sewer and both look so hot still. Louis's mm -hmm. like rolling around in poop water and you're like, I'd still kiss him. I I'd French him a little bit. I would. Yeah. He's pretty. Like, I get why Lestat keeps coming back. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, all right. That's fine. I'm like still down. He's trying to look really <laughs> drab and like in the sewer. Every all his hair is straight. He's like hunched over. And yep. Lestat like walking in like a proper fancy boy. Yeah. And he's like, why are we in the sewer again? Like, can we not be in the sewer? And is it because you like, ate that little girl? Life. It wants to end. I'm suffering. Lestat's like, why don't you just write some poetry and tighten up like everyone else? Can you just do that, please? Can you write some sonnets and be done? Like, this is so boring right now. So good. So funny. Epic, 
epic fucking acting from Kirsten Dunst, though. Watching this movie yeah. now, I look back and I'm like, yo, that little girl was robbed of an Oscar. Like, she Truly. was spectacular in that movie. Like, a Watching marvel, really. the intelligence in her eyes, even, yes. like, her eye work changing. Yep. Like, with the bright-eyed, like, innocence to, mm-hmm. okay, she's, like, calculating now. That yep. was amazing to me. Like, yes. what range? Yes. Truly. At such a young age. And that's what I'm saying. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's weird that, like, Rice chose to make Claudia five, right? Like, George R. Mm-hmm. R. Martin is in the same fucking boat, right? Game of Thrones, Sansa Stark is, like, 12 years old or some crazy nonsense, right? Like, yeah. these authors make their kids so young forgetting that like a five-year-old can barely talk right a five-year-old is like i want snacks please like a five-year-old mm-hmm. can't like you know what i mean so the idea that you're gonna make this kid so young like it was unnecessary making claudia 10 11 like she is in the movie mm-hmm. just as damaging right just yeah. as damaging if not more so because a five-year-old doesn't have the intellect to know why people are looking at them a certain way right she would have had to suffer through that eventuality whereas at 11, 12, right? Claudia knows her body should be changing. She knows what she should be looking like. She knows like, okay, well, there's a first period that I'm supposed to get. Okay, well, there's, you know what I mean? Like she she understands the world around her on a different level, which I think honestly makes it that much more cruel because she, mm-hmm. she literally cannot see herself getting there, even though she knows she's supposed to. You know what I mean? Like that knowledge, that little bit of knowledge, but without the agency, um, that whole age, really eight to like, I'd say like 13, 14, in your life as a, as a person, especially as a young woman, where you are conscious of a lot of things, right? You're slowly kind of, you know, trading your innocence in for reality, right? Little by little, you're being fed like little bits of the truth. You're seeing, you know, your body change and men treat you differently or, you know what I mean? Things like that that happen to you during that time. And for Claudia, she's aware of all of it and can't participate mm-hmm. in any of it, right? And when she finally gets to the moment, like, where she's like, who fucking did this to me? Yeah. Who, who did this to me? Who do I have to fucking fight? Who am I mm-hmm. gutting like a fucking fish, right? Like, mm-hmm. when she finally gets to that moment, I feel like she's, like, she. it's like, it's like she turns off a light switch. Mm-hmm. Like, the performance is just so good. It's just so sharp and so clean. Like, just, I mean, honestly, close to perfection. Like, the scene where she, like, practically like and when i say seduce i don't mean in a sexy way i mean like in a cajoling kind of way like Mm -hmm. she cajoles lestat into like thinking she's really trying to apologize and she giggles Mm -hmm. drunk on brandywine (laughs) her little like bell like yes like i've never heard such a predator in my life (laughs) i've Mm -hmm. never heard such Mm -hmm. a monster like it is horrifying when she's like screaming about same thing with this scene, right? Like instead of having the scene of the mother and daughter that get burnt alive uh, by Claudia mm-hmm. in that in that oven, instead we get a scene where she sees this beautiful, shapely, buxom woman showering, and she's like, "I'm never gonna look like her." Like, what the fuck, right? And she has this like breakdown in- internally, and then we find out she's killed this woman and is keeping her underneath the pile of dolls in her bed. So much more impactful, in my opinion, than the scene that we get in the book because it's yeah. visceral, right? Like. She's trying to make it hers. She's doing everything she can to hang on. I feel like it's great foreshadowing for meeting Madeleine, who's a doll maker, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think that she does, like, Anne Rice does such a great job kind of setting that up, like, teeing that up for, for the viewer. Um, and by the time Claudia fucking kills Lestat, like, those scenes are, like, electric. Like, her, the, from, from the second she slices his face open with those scissors, oh my God. I <laughs> right, know. all the way to, like, 
her slitting his throat as he like bleeds out on the ground like and then she just looks at louie like what do you think we should do with him like everything's fine she's like holding the knife waving it around what do you think we should go do now i don't know just like move to paris or something louie's like what the fuck is wrong with you yeah (laughs) i love the look of disgust on his face (laughs) Mm -hmm. and her disappointment when she looks at his eyes of his like being disgusted and she's like oh you're not as into this as I am. I forgot you're one of those vampires. Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> oh, and, oh, I do like her screaming and cutting her hair and having a meltdown because she just yes. wants to change. Yes. And realize and her hair grows back immediately. Yep. That's really good. I loved that. Yeah, man. Like it was I think she's honestly my favorite character. Yeah. Um and specifically the way that Kirsten Dunst plays her mm-hmm. because she's not the Claudia in the book feels amoral, right? She feels like she just doesn't get it. She doesn't know what's right. She doesn't know what's wrong. She just does what comes natural. Mm-hmm. This version of Claudia knows what's right, knows what's wrong, knows what feels natural is a gray space between those two things and does what she, what she's expected to do. The scene mm-hmm. where she hunts by herself and there's that man, I know these are too rich for your blood, little girl. You can't afford these. And she has this little smile on her face when, when the woman who's, 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 you know, sewing up her hem, the hem on her dress cuts herself and it's like, Oh no. And she just takes her hand ever so gently and goes, I'll kiss it better. And for a second, you're like, Oh, little sweetie. Oh no. Right. <laughs> like mm-hmm. For a minute, you're like little baby until you realize this is a vampire. That's bad. Yep. Right. <laughs> you're yep. like, ah, Oh no. <laughs> right. You get really shocked. Like fuck. And then she like proceeds to eat that lady. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the unpredictability of her character and how changeable she is. She's so much more dynamic than she is in the book. I feel like in the book, they give her like one dimension, you know, two dimensions max. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like she just like really comes alive. And obviously a lot of that is to do with Kirsten Dunst just being a grandmaster. But part of that is also because Anne Rice just did such a spectacular job kind of negotiating all of that. Yeah. Um, I think it also let her fix like, doing the screenplay let her fix a lot of the things that were wrong in the book mm-hmm, and that like she mm-hmm. probably heard a lot of feedback on and like yeah. had time to think about it because it came out like what like 20 years later or something mm-hmm. so she was like all right here's some edits I totally would have written this originally but it's fine you know <laughs> this, is, I, this, I movie, like this movie is not as gay as i wanted but otherwise doing all otherwise right. yeah yeah something I like, something i yeah, please go. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I, I was <laughs> just going to say, I like that that... No, it's fine. It's fine. We're, we're interrupting each other. It's fine. <laughs> I like that this is very much... And this is something I never really picked up before now, but it's very classic, this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of... Like, the way that the music works, for example, right? So Neil Jordan, I believe, is the person who directed it. I don't know what he's famous for, really, other than this. I don't know a ton about him as a director, but like, I love the way that he kind of pieces this together, like almost like an old school, like universal monsters movie, right? Like Dracula, mm-hmm. the where, you know, the, the wolf man, uh, the invisible man, all that stuff, right? Those like older, like thirties and forties classics. I seen classics. <clears throat> there, there's a lot of kind of vintage effects that he uses mm-hmm. with a very modern take on this story. So like, for example, when, um, when uh claudia 
you know, goes and cuts her hair and she's like, ah, I'm going to cut it. And you hear like the scissors snip, snip, snip. Right. And mm-hmm. like the sound effects are really great. Right. The snip is like super duper loud because you, you like the director wants to communicate and the sound designer wants to communicate to you like the seriousness of this and the urgency that she's feeling. But there's mm-hmm. this beautiful music that's playing over the back with this beautiful kind of um, string section, like, like very high notes um, mm-hmm. that are coming in that are like that that create a much more kind of visceral scene than, you know, another kind of you know music behind it would have done. And then when you hear her scream, there's like this crescendo of the music, right? Very, very old school horror movie. And then there's like a flash to Louis and it's like this scene where it's just like a bust of him. It's like the chest up and he opens the door and like the light kind of strikes him from the side. It's like so classic horror. Like it's so old school horror movie. Like it's very like Mm -hmm. Nosferatu, like all those old movies that are like, you know, considered like kind of the, the root of where a lot of our modern horror comes from. Like it's, it's, it's perfect. Like it's so well executed because it gives that kind of old school feel while giving you a new movie. Right. Um, the music is such a huge part of the vibe, the overall vibe of this, right? The transition, the night when Claudia and Lestat are hunting together and they go to that home with the whole family of people, right? And Lestat, like Louis is narrating, sometimes they would go hunting together. They would they would kill off an entire family, just the two of them, just the pair of them, right? And mm-hmm. Claudia kind of finishes playing her little, you know, her little normal song or whatever, her little musical piece, and then pivots into this other kind of darker song Mm -hmm. which um i can't remember what the classical piece is called but like it's based on vampirism like it's based on vampires and the the lore of vampires so she starts Mm -hmm. kind of playing that which is like as she's playing that you see all the coffins being carried out of this house after everybody's dead like there's so many moments like that in this movie that are just so good where like the use of light and the use of um of music um and sound effect all kind of come together and create this like really kind of next level scene um, even when Louis is is destroying anytime Louis lights anything on fire, there's like really serious music, uh, lots of kind of deep horns and stuff like that kind of um, to like signal the fact that like something horrible is either happening or about to happen. Um, mm-hmm. It's something that I was really impressed with that I didn't really notice before in previous viewings, um, just how classic they tried to make it. And it really does hold up, in my opinion, even though it's so old. So I looked up Neil Jordan to figure out what other things he's directed. The most recent thing that you mm-hmm. might recognize is the movie Greta that uh, Chloe okay. Grace Moretes? Moret- yes. Yeah. I don't know how you pronounce. Mm-hmm. That was the one that I recognized, but like mostly horror stuff. So Marlowe, which came out in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, the Company of Wolves, which came out in 84. That's a good one. It's yeah, he directed that as well. Mm-hmm. We've got Angel that came out in 82. Um, so infrequent. He picks and chooses what he does. This is, I was just writing the list of things that I've recognized. Were No Angels that came out in 89. Mm-hmm. Mona Lisa that came out in 86. Uh, the Brave One that came out in 2007. Like he's not putting stuff out every year for sure. Yeah. And yeah. then a lot of like stuff that is not like doesn't have an even an imdp a dp picture imdb Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh lots of excalibur stuff though we got excalibur behind the movie the making of excalibur did he do excalibur i'm guessing so but it's not 
Hold on. on this list. Breakfast on Pluto, if you recognize that. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's with Cillian Murphy. Uh, we also got uh, Byzantium. Byzantium. Oh, Byzantium. Mm-hmm. That's yes. about vampires. Nice. That came out in 2012. He did that as well. Um, the Crying Game, that came in now, now, out in 92. Oh, that's that's a fantastic movie. That won a bunch of Academy Awards. It's funny, yeah. the star of The Crying Game. So The Crying Game is about... Um, this uh woman and this man and there's like some intrigue but it's but the woman is trans um it's Mm -hmm. actually really very much ahead of its time i'm sure there's tons of criticism that's going to be like a whole other conversation but Mm -hmm. uh the star of that movie uh the male star of that movie is um stephen ray who actually plays santiago in this movie um and in, in 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 interview with the vampire he's the actor who plays santiago he is the main character uh one of the two main characters um in that movie and what's interesting about that is um, Stephen Ray actually isn't a big actor at all. He's mm-hmm. a film critic. He oh. used to write film. Yeah, he used to criti- he used to critique films for um, my local newspaper, actually in Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. yeah. So like, um, like I didn't I didn't know that until after I had seen the movie. I was like, who is this guy? And then I looked it up, and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. that guy. Why do I know his name? And it's because like I love movies and books, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. And when I was a kid, I used to read, you know, Premiere magazine, and I'd read like the movie section every week in my newspaper and stuff like that. And I used to see his name all the time. Um, yeah. So I looked up Excalibur. I don't think that Neil Jordan directed it. I think he was just like a consultant or something like that on that because mm-hmm. it was directed by John Borman. Um, but okay. if you like Arthurian lit, I know we've talked about Mists of Avalon uh, and and the Once and Future King and stuff, reading those modern classics. Um, Excalibur, I, in my opinion, is one of the best Arthurian movies ever made. Um, it Still got to read Legend Board. Can. Oh, man. Got to read that. It's on the list. Yeah. Um, got to get into it. But yeah, like I think that... Um, he this person just did a really great job of of directing this and it's it makes sense that he picks a lot of horror movies you can tell that his influences come from like hitchcock and come from you know those old like universal hollywood monster mm-hmm. kind of um kind of method uh filmmaking um and it's something that like i think is so good it makes for a very iconic kind of film even when the movie is relatively new like it just mm-hmm. kind of levels up the game a little bit um have you seen, um, oh, what is it called? Werewolf by Night on Disney Plus. It's a, uh, mm-hmm. it's a, it's like a one shot horror Marvel story. Mm, no. Set in the MCU. Okay. So if you want to know what I mean, cause I know you haven't really seen a lot of those older kind of, uh, like black and white horror movies. Mm-hmm. If you want to know what I'm talking about a little bit better, watch that it's like 45 minutes it's like the, it's like the length of a of an tv show or something like that um okay. it's with uh gael garcia bernal who is one of my favorite actors he's lovely and very handsome um and basically it's like it doesn't feel like a marvel anything really it doesn't like okay. it kind of tricks you but it does have marvel characters in it um okay. and basically the the idea is uh there is an annual or a or a, every 10 years or something like that there's a hunt that happens um, with a secret group of monster hunters and um, they all descend upon this one house where this guy kind of runs this event and that guy is now dead. So this is like the first time that they're doing this without him. And um, it's all about trying to like capture or kill this creature that's like on the loose 
on their like mm-hmm. in their estate. Um, and it's all black and white. It's 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 brand new. I want to say it came out in the last year or two. Um, okay. It's all it's all black and white and everything. But you'll see the influence because it's 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 filmed to feel like one of those old school movies. Um, so it's a good modern example of that for you without you having to go and dig up the old ones. Cause I don't even know who's streaming those at this point. Yeah. I know yeah. at some point I really want to read Dracula and then mm-hmm. do a bunch of different Dracula movies, but yeah. have not gotten to it yet. Someday. Let me know. I'm not going to lie yeah. to you. It's a little bit of a snooze fest. Um, yeah. It's, it's a little I, I read part of it and then I gave up. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah. The, I understand. The understand. <laughs> I ran into is the one I read has like a ton of footnotes. Oh, and I don't want the footnotes. No, yeah. just read it and get it done with. So the, the copy that I have, I have a bunch of copies of it, honestly, because obsessed with vampires. Um, mm-hmm. I have like a, a comic book version. I've got like a regular paperback version. And then I also have a really fancy hardcover version that's mm-hmm. illustrated by uh, Greg Hildebrandt, who's like a famous fantasy illustrator. Um, and it's absolutely stunning. It's a beautiful copy. And that that helps me read it a lot because every like 10 pages, you got a little fancy picture to look at. And so mm. you can like reward yourself. You know what I mean? More, more books should do that really. Like truly, I never thought I'd get to a point in my life where I was like, can we have pictures and books plays? Cause like, that's dumb. Right. But um, the reason I am campaigning for pictures and books is because it's like a nice way to break up your text, yeah. especially for a heavier tome. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like again, Dracula is all just like letters. Like the whole book is like people writing letters about their experiences, which sounds interesting until you get into it. And then you're like, man, this is just going on forever. Uh, It takes a really long time to get through it. Um, The good thing, though, is that Bram Stoker's Dracula by Francis Ford Coppola, I believe that is a 1992 movie, is Mm -hmm. fantastic. So it is more than worth it. It is more than worth it. That movie is so good. Like, that's another one that, like, honestly, like, surprisingly holds up. Keanu Reeves was a worse actor back then, and he was Mm -hmm. just kind of a pretty face. So he's not his best. He's not, like, the greatest Jonathan Harker. But also Jonathan Harker is kind of boring. So he doesn't do a bad job. Um, (laughs) Whatever works. (laughs) Whatever works. Get the asses and seats. Everyone in it is attractive. Literally every single person is, like, I mean... It's 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 really it's surprising. Even Anthony Hopkins is looking kind of good. You're like, wow, hmm. good for you, Daddy. Congratulations. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay, what else do we have with interview with the vampire before we get into Dracula? Well, I mean, uh, so we've got he he we meet Santiago. Mm-hmm. I feel like they did a really great job buttoning up that scene, but keeping kind of the purpose behind it. Like Louis still calls him a buffoon. Uh, yeah. A lot less. A lot less petty catfighting drama between Santiago and Louis because the because sh- the movie that's like one place where I was glad the movie was a little less gay because like I do not care about Louis and his beef with Santiago like Santiago is such a basic ass bitch and I feel like we need a lot less of him in the book mm-hmm. um, he taunts way too much there's a lot of teasing and shit and a lot of like extra trash talk that he does in the book for like pages upon pages that I could have just used way less of. Um, so I'm glad that he and Louis like don't have an argument because there's nothing to argue about because like Louis and Armand aren't like in love as in love anyway Um, the stage scene with the blonde girl pretty Mm. well done I found it interesting that they chose not to talk about the crone um, yeah and do that whole like life and death kind of thing Mm -hmm. comparison that they did in the book Um, instead they kind of made it more like the like we talked about the grand grand gujanal um they kind of made it more like that where it's like a story that's more about faith and religion and ends with death rather than it mm-hmm. being all about death. Um, 
And I I think that the way they kind of describe the vampires is good too. It's clear Anne Rice like let up a little bit because there's some ginger vampires in their in their mix. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I thought you had to dye your hair black. What's this about? Yeah, um, truly. <laughs> so uh, that wasn't terrible. I, I didn't really mind that. Um, I, I do, do wish bad. they'd spent more time with like Armand and Louis, though. They give them like no yeah. time whatsoever. I feel bad, too. Also, I didn't love the guy that cast as Santiago. He wasn't my headcanon for Santiago. Agree. He's He, he doesn't yeah. feel... In my mind, Santiago is like... Young hot yeah yeah really hot toy Um, energy you know yes yes uh and like i said stephen ray is not known for that he is uh, a regular man um Mm -hmm. (laughs) he's definitely got the tricksiness down though like the tricksy vibe like the like the fuck you attitude is there Mm -hmm. um but i agree i felt like he was going to be a little prettier um he's prettier in the book i like that they say less about the fucking the young man the boy yeah that serves armand and he's he still die. there he doesn't right die he, didn't, he doesn't die and he's still that he's still around you see him louis does feed off of him but it's mm-hmm. not as explicit there's not all that like weird 14 yeah. year old erection stuff that you have to deal with um louis i really thought to bite was pretty good though yes i did like that because it shows <laughs> that that's just like just what he does um i did i i do like antonio banderas as armand um, me too I, I actually yeah i actually really enjoyed him as armand and i feel like he could have had more time it's funny though because i was talking i was talking to my partner about this last night i think the reason that we don't get more time with armand mm-hmm. is because he was physically exactly what they wanted mm-hmm. but in 1994 antonio banderas had been in like a handful of english movies like he had been working with pedro Almodovar, who is um, a famous spanish director who's fantastic if you're ever looking mm-hmm. for international cinema he's so good mm-hmm. um i love pretty much everything he's ever done um, but Antonio Banderas, he was with Almodovar for a long time. They had they made like three, four, five movies together before he came to mm-hmm. America and tried to you know, apply his trade here. He had done Desperado and all of those other movies with Robert Rodriguez because Robert mm-hmm. Rodriguez um, is a Hispanic filmmaker who had seen him in the Almodovar stuff. So he was kind of new, like new to the market in America um, with Free American spices. cinema. Pre spy kids, so his accent. He had to work on his accent, like he had to work mm-hmm. on his English. So I wonder if that's why, because when you hear his, when you hear him deliver his lines, he has a much stronger accent than he has now. Like mm-hmm. even now, he still has, he still retains an accent. It's clear English is not his first language, but like mm-hmm. his accent now is much more mellow than it was back then. Um, and I, the think way he that, says Santiago, chef yes, kiss. oh, yes. so good. beautiful, beautiful, and his hair looks wonderful too. He oh, it does. That hair. Oh my So Lord. long and beautiful. Oh, yes. yes. Very moisturized. Oh yes. He is in his lane. He is thriving. Um mm-hmm. yeah, I I definitely wish there was more time. I do like though that like this is like the lemonade album for Louis. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like he like looks at fucking like he looks at Armand in his face and is like, I know it was you. Yeah. Armand is like literally what was me what do you me? mean was me what and Louis like I know it was you I know you killed her you want me to be here and restore your vitality I will not do it I'm like man look at look at this dear mm-hmm. Anne Rice you see how you just summed up 45 pages yep. of exposition in one conversation and Louis walks out into the street and moves back to New Orleans by himself mm-hmm. that was always an option for you truly (laughs) it's always that was always an option you did not need 45 to 60 pages 
You didn't yeah. need a tower that he was climbing up in the night. You didn't need any of that. Okay. Like you didn't mm-hmm. need Louis going, but where is Armand? You didn't need any of that. Right. Um, yeah. And it was still just as effective. Could they have taken their time a little bit more? Yes. If that movie had been three hours, I would not have been mad at anybody involved. So I've been fine with it. I, I could have lived longer in that universe. Right. Like even, even down to the end, like, I loved that they tried to kind of make it more modern showing Louis kind of going to the cinema in the book. They just talk about how like Louis annoyed that he has to follow that young vampire to the cinema and stuff. And he's like, Ugh, I don't even care about any of this stuff. Like I like, I like the levity and the lightness that they kind of added to both Lestat and Louis. Like both of them are such bummers in the book. Like they're such drags, both of them, like they are insufferable at some points. Um, mm-hmm. But I think in the movie, they definitely soften that up quite a bit. Like, watching Louis's eyes widen as he's seeing color for the first time. You know, he goes from black and white to color film. Um, yeah. Seeing that scene of, like, you know, Christopher Reeve as as Superman flying around the Earth, right? Like, those those little callback moments, those little bits and pieces that pull you in, I thought were a really nice touch. Yeah. It's... Mm-hmm. This movie is so well done. Yeah. I'm not mad at anything, honestly. Yeah. It was beautiful. Oh, also getting to see Claudia's death? Yes. Oh my Brutal. god. Brutal. Truly. Like, oh, like it's like a gut punch, especially like and again, I'm talking like camera angles. Like Neil Jordan did a great job with those camera angles cuz like mm-hmm. you see them and it's it's beautiful, honestly. It looks like a little like stone statue of a mother mm-hmm. holding her child until he walks up and touches it and it crumbles to ash and you're mm-hmm. just like, "Fuck." Like when he walks in, he flings his arms back. He flings his arms in front of his face. He can't look at it. Like it's a viscer like it's, a, it's such a gut punch. Like you're like, "Oh, Louis, I'm so sorry, buddy." She was getting better. She was getting yeah. better. <laughs> I know. And it looks like it was designed for that, too. Yes. I think is even more gut wrenching because it's like that also means that they're not the first people to fall victim to the sun like that, Mm -hmm. which is wild. Absolutely wild. Now you understand why I always see a little circular room when I read the book. Mm hmm. Cause like that room looks like it's expressly designed to do that. Right. Like Mm -hmm. that's what that job, that's what that room is for. Right. It's a room. I'm sure it was probably originally just like a cell so that the person inside could get some sun, but like these vampires are using it as a punishment chamber, right? It's like a torture Mm -hmm. chamber because like even spending time in there as the sun kind of comes out and starts to like creep up over the clouds. Right. Like I can only imagine the torture that that must be on a vampire, right? Like it's obviously a punishment room. Um, And yeah, seeing the two of them just huddled there, like it's so sad. Same thing with Madeline, though. I could have used more time with Madeleine. Mm-hmm. Like there's like a three Same second night. conversation. Yeah. <laughs> all in one night. Yeah. I'm a vampire now and now I'm not, right? Like mm-hmm. poor thing. Poor thing. I like oh, I like how Louis sees uh Lestat at the end too. Yeah. I feel like that whole scene where Louis goes to the house. And Lestat's in there and he's like, oh my God, you came back to me, Louis. Look at you. You look so handsome. I feel like it's that moment that everybody hopes they're going to get with their ex. Where Mm -hmm. like, you're out one day, you happen to look fine as hell. You go to Whole Mm -hmm. Foods. You're like ready to get you and, you know, get yourself like a little, you know, treat, some self-care. Right? You're like, oh, everything's going to be so good. I'm having a great time. I am living my best life and I'm just going to get this bottle of wine. I'm going to buy the expensive wine tonight too Mm -hmm. for me. I'm going to buy myself a prime rib for me i am doing it tonight is going to be a great night and then like you bump your cart into your ex and they're in sweatpants and they've got a band-aid on their face and they look like Mm -hmm. trash and you're like oh look at you or maybe 
they're there with their like new loud mouth partner and they're terrible and they're fighting and you're like oh did i happen upon something bad Ooh. like louis is there like listen sweetie yeah it was nice catching up i'm gonna go you seem to really want me back. I'm not coming back because I am thriving now. I'm doing other things. I have moved on. And I suggest you do the same, really. It didn't work out for a reason, babe. Okay? <laughs> Kisses. Bye. Like, that's exactly what that whole scene is for me. It's All I'm imagining like... is Louis with, like, a Birkin bag holding yes! it in his hands. And he's like, oh, I can't even set it anywhere. Like, there's no clean table space. Um, no. I'm going to go. Yeah. It's time. You... It's time. Yeah, it's time. We're like, done. It's been 20 minutes. Louis like, that is more than enough for me, honestly. Um, yeah. I'm starting to it, smell like the stink of your rotting apartment. So I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to go. Um, <laughs> have a good life. Hope I never see you again. All right, bye. <laughs> Delete my number. <laughs> oh, It's like when you're uh, like, have you ever like, this has only ever happened to friends, but like when uh, they get a text from an unknown number and it's like, I miss you. And you're like, who? <laughs> yes. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Lestat's like, Louis, I made you. We spent 150 years together. Louis's like, oh, that Lestat. Sorry. Ooh. I know a lot of people. Yeah. I'm really popular. <laughs> I can't help that I'm so popular. I don't know what you want me to do. Mm-hmm. And then Louis's telling the interview boy, He's like, yeah, so then um, I don't know what happened to Lestat. I'm assuming he's dead. And the scene at the end where we oh get my God. Lestat just jumping in this dude's convertible, <laughs> yep, yep, drinking yep. in his blood, and yep. then he's like taking over driving. Like, what? He looks at him and he's like, don't worry, baby. And he gives his signature line, I'm going to give you the chance I had never had. <laughs> and Christian Slater's like, I'm dead. I'm dying. Someone help me. I'm like, you asked for this. You Literally. look Louis right in his fucking face. Louis's like, so that was last Thursday. It was terrible. And uh, yeah, now I'm talking to you. And here's the first thing Christian Slater says is, well, I mean, well, obviously you should make me a vampire now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Louis is like, <sighs> no patience for this. None. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Like I, I really enjoyed the way that it ended. I think the book ends in a very mysterious way. Mm-hmm. Like the book ends with the boy like making sure that he has his his recorder, like all his tapes done, right? He has like all his shit, you know, correct. Mm-hmm. And then he's like right he like writes down the address where he thinks Lestat's house is. This is far less ominous, like yeah. far more obvious, but like mm-hmm. down to him turning on, you know, Sympathy for the Devil by the Rolling Stones, right? Which is like so all about good. like feeling bad for Satan, right? Like <laughs> yep. like he like drives off into the night or whatever. And in my head, like, they, they they did. They planned on doing a sequel. Like, there was a whole talk about it. They were trying to figure out how to, like, even bring Louis back. They were like, you know, it's not really about Louis. It's really just about Lestat, like, the next book. But maybe there's, like, a scene where they reunite. Maybe there's a scene where they talk again, right? Like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just, like, never came to fruition. Like, it was just never greenlit. Like, they could never make it work. <sighs> yeah. But they did talk about a sequel. Like, they, w- they was it was in production for it a minute. It so good. It would have been great. But, like... I get it. When you see when you see Queen of the Damned, you're gonna be like, no wonder people are disappointed. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Queen of the Damned, just to prepare you and and okay. anyone who is listening that might be interested, there's some things you need to know. Okay. Number one, Anne Rice was not involved at all. Okay. Number two, it combines like two to three books in this series. Mm. It's not just the book Queen of the Damned adapted as a movie. Like Interview with the Vampire is a book that's adapted to a movie. It's more of like 
they took a bunch of pieces, mushed it together, and made a story. Um, Hmm. number number three okay uh the timeline is gonna throw you for a loop you're gonna be like i don't understand this book was published in the 70s interview of the vampires published in the 70s but then suddenly we're in the 2000s for some reason and lestat has hmm. been asleep for a really long time for some reason and what happened to him after he left like louis's apartment just forget everything you know about interview of the vampire <laughs> completely just throw it all in the okay. garbage and then watch queen of the damned because okay. you can't you can't be like Tom Cruise is in this movie. He's not. Um, and the and the version of Lestat you're getting is not Tom Cruise. Um, another thing to know, mm-hmm. uh, if you enjoyed Hot Topic during the 2000s, you mm-hmm. will like this movie a lot more than if you didn't enjoy Hot Topic during the 2000s. <laughs> um, it is a very Hot Topic feeling movie. There are okay. a lot of people who are dressed like they shop exclusively at Hot Topic. Uh, <laughs> there is some horrible acting. It's clear where they spent their money, uh, mm. the people that they spent money on. If you've ever seen The Mighty Ducks, the girl from the team is in it. She's all grown up. She plays uh, Lestat's love interest in like this journalist or whatever. This She's not a journalist. She's a, I guess she's an anthropologist? Because she does like, like an art, an art history anthropologist. Because she does like mm-hmm. restoration on paintings and things like that. Like she studies... So the guy that she works for um, is in this group called the Talamasca, which is um, kind of like a secret network, almost like the Watchers Council in Buffy. Um, Like the Talamasca actually exists across all of Anne Rice's books, I'm pretty sure. Like I think the Witching Hour and stuff like that all has Talamasca in it as well. But basically they're a council of people who know about the darker side of the world and mm-hmm. the monsters that like live among us and like try to keep them in check and try to like document what's happening so that people there's always a record of this essentially happening okay and i think they're i feel like they come from like a, an ancient tribe in the books um there's like a group that's always kind of performed this role um another thing to know mm-hmm. uh the music is all composed by jonathan davis the lead singer of corn um <laughs> Okay. Now, I know what you're thinking, <laughs> Candace, that sounds atrocious. Okay. And you know what? On paper, you would be right. But in <laughs> practice, the music is quite frankly one of the best parts of the entire movie. It makes so much sense. There's a Jonathan Davis cameo in it. He plays like some ticket scalper that's trying to pick up a lady on the street. Right. Um, the voice of Lestat. So Lestat starts a band. Lestat wakes up from his slumber. Okay. Because, because he hears he hears some fucking trash punk metal kids playing some very ridiculous 2000s industrial and is like this is great and the way he enters the scene is comical at best it's super embarrassing um he's like this Lestat is dark haired as well which you're not going to be prepared for um and he's like on top of like this piano or on top of like some speakers or something and he like opens his mouth to sing but the way the actor does it is very embarrassing um and it's hilarious unintentionally and the group of people that are in his band are horrible actors one guy is like hey what are you doing man like it's really bad it's terrible um it's clear that they just like found some people on the street in la and were like do you want to be in a movie and they were like yeah sure cool like righteous dude um and yeah so basically lestat becomes a rock star okay his whole gimmick is that he's a vampire and so okay. other vampires are like, can you not right now, please? So he's just still as annoying as, as regular Lestat, right? He's mm-hmm. still an edgelord who, like, 
can't get enough of himself and wants to just ruin everybody's life, right? And make sure no one is having a good time except for him. Um, you meet his maker, Marius okay. comes and you meet him for a while. They mm-hmm. have a relationship and some conversation. Uh, Marius is a great actor, Vincent Perez. He does a really good job. He's very handsome. Um, mm-hmm. He meets this Jesse girl who's like trying to figure it. So Jesse basically is the girl who works for the Talamasca. She's figuring out like what Lestat has to do with all of this because there's, um, again, they study the occult. So like Marius is a painter. So they found all these pieces of artwork that have the same face in it. And that's how they're tracking him. And then like Lestat, there's like some poems and things like that that have been written about Lestat over time and over centuries and diaries they found and writings and stuff. So that's how they're kind of piecing together who everyone is and what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, So Jesse is like the first person that's like, I think Lestat is alive and I think he's doing X, Y, and Z. And people are like, no one has heard from this Lestat person forever. Sometimes vampires just die, let it go. But she's like convinced that Lestat exists. Um, The most important thing to know about this movie and the reason that you should sit through all of it is mm-hmm. because it is the last movie Aaliyah ever did. I know that we talked about Aaliyah last time um, and discussed who she is, who she is, and why she was important. Um, it's the last movie she ever did before she died, and she looks absolutely stunning. Like you will never see a more beautiful black vampire in your life, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sure. that includes Wesley Snipes um, and Sanaa Lathan, which is like Blade is a hard movie to beat. It's really good, um, but I'm told I need to see Blade. I've never seen it. You have not seen Blade? No. Oh, no. Oh, no, Rachel. What is happening? What is happening right now, Rachel? Rachel. Rachel. Like, I, you know. When are we having the Candace Teaches Rachel Pop Culture podcast? Because. I mean, it needs to happen right away, apparently. Because, I mean, I don't even know what we're doing here right now. Like. (laughs) I, listen, I'm pitching an idea to you. Your Your podcast is Let's Talk Vampires. And then you can just show me all the vampire movies. I'm just throwing. I it mean, out. I that's that's honestly a good limited series because there's not too many of them that you have to see. There are a lot of vampire movies mm-hmm. out there that are absolutely her- horrible, and I would never put you through that. Um, but I will make a list of the things that you should watch so that you understand vampire culture more because this is a shame. Um, <laughs> I, although <laughs> I kind of just want to show you like all old movies, like that 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 needs to be like the podcast. I'm not opposed like, to old movies. I'm not going to lie to you. I take little little baby zoomers and I go, hey guys, we're going to watch some old stuff today. <laughs> this movie is called Labyrinth. It stars David Bowie, who was a rock star. <laughs> See, Have you seen I've that? Seen, I've seen parts. I haven't seen the whole thing. My siblings watched it and I was working. Rachel, you darling creature. <laughs> you, sweet, you sweet baby angel. I love you All so I've much. Seen... And that is why I'm not going to be mad. I've seen the part where he's like power of voodoo, who do you do? Do what? Remind me of the babe. That's all yes. I remember. Yes, you've seen I've magic seen dance. Gremlins. Gremlins the movie? Yes. Or the goblins in that movie. Because there yes. are goblins. I've yes seen Gremlins the movie. Yes. Okay. Both. All right. So Gremlins <laughs> the movie is terrifying. Um yes. I actually didn't watch all of Gremlins until like two years ago because I was terrified as a child. I had a very mm-hmm. bad experience one day with that movie. And I was like, nope, never again. Have you seen Gremlins 2 where there's a sexy lady gremlin? No. Oh, <laughs> hold on to your butt. You're going to want to take a look at that. You're going to you're gonna want to hold out for sexy gremlin lady. You're oh definitely going to want to see that. She's spectacular. Um, yeah, you're not really missing too much. It's good. It's not like you should see it so that you know about pop culture and you understand things. But mm-hmm. you won't die if you don't see Gremlins 2. 
Um, if you don't see Blade, though, you will die. Um, <laughs> Blade heavily, heavily, heavily informs Queen of the Damned. Heavily. Okay. The first 10 minutes of Blade, there is a scene where they're like in Russia or somewhere and someone dies, I think. And then, like, they're driving through these streets. No, I'm wrong. That's Blade 2. So in the, in the movie Blade, in the first scene, you see Tracy Lords, who... Um, mm -hmm. You probably don't know who Tracy Lords is, either. I you know who John know. Waters is? No, none of these names oh. ring a bell to me. All right, listen. How do I explain <laughs> this to you? Okay, so Tracy Lords was a girl who ran away from home when she was a teenager and got into the porn industry. Blade came out she, the year I was born. Okay. We're going to set that aside for a second um, <laughs> because I, I went to go see that in the movies. Uh, my mom bought me and my friend a ticket and it was the first movie I ever got to see by myself in the movie theater. Um, <laughs> so Tracy Lords was an, is, is an actor now. Okay. Uh, back then, like when she was young, she ran away from home, got involved in porn to try to pay the bills, but she was only like 16. She was like 15, 16 years old. Okay. So nobody knew that. She had fake documentation, fake paperwork, and nobody really checked it because like back then it was just like, come on in, we'll just do some stuff. So there was a bunch of movies with Tracy Lords that's now child pornography and you cannot find anywhere because like she was a child, she was underage. And mm -hmm. the reason that porn has the restrictions it has now is partially because of her. Like mm -hmm. the reason there's like, you know, consent checks and paperwork to sign and, you know, documenting and, you know, STD checks and all that stuff. Part of that, like the the, the ref porn reform was because mm -hmm. of Tracy Lords and what happened to her in the industry. She was taken advantage of. And like, mm -hmm. granted, she knew what she was doing, kind of, but you're a kid. You don't know how to consent. Was so she a figurehead to that or was it because of all that she was able to get into? It's yes, it's all okay. that she was able to get. Like she she had an extensive career. Like it was fucked up. Like when it all came okay. out, people were like, "What?" Because, you know, you have to be 18 to be in an adult movie. So mm -hmm. I think for 3 years she was in she was in the film industry doing work and people just assumed she was older. They just accepted that she was older and didn't really think about it cuz she looked older. Mm -hmm. Um so she came off of rehab she like rehabilitated for a while after that. Obviously very traumatic experience. Um mm -hmm. And she kind of had to grow up and realize she didn't have agency because along for a long time, she was kind of defending it like, oh, well, you know, I chose to be there. But at the same time, she yeah. didn't realize these people should have looked out for her. You know what I'm saying? So she went through rehabilitation, became an actor. John Waters is a campy queer director. Uh, he's done a lot of 70s movies. The musical Hairspray is his creation. Uh, he mm -hmm. did the original movie from the 80s. Um, he's, he's definitely a living legend and an icon. Um, the reason I bring him up is because he also has used Tracy Lords in his movies. Like she's done a lot of like kind of B movies and more kind of cult classic stuff mm -hmm. since she's not been an adult star. Um, but the, the movie opens blade opens with her in a convertible top down with this very straight list guy next to her. She has like Betty page bangs, very sexy haircut. Um, looks looks goth as fuck right like looks just edgy and very hardcore and the guy's like mm -hmm. oh i'm really excited to go and she's like you're being a real square um and they get to the party and everyone in there it's like an industrial like goth rave okay. and everybody there looks super cool they all have really awesome outfits on um and i'm sure you've probably seen footage of people like dancing in blood like rain like blood is raining on them and they're dancing have you seen any gifs of that ever or videos all of that? i've seen is the carry one Okay, no. So right. in Blade, there it's like a bunch of vampires in a room and they're having a party. And mm -hmm. one of the things that they do is like when things get like really hyped, like the sprinkler system goes off and it's all blood. Like it's all like human blood. So everyone's covered in blood and dancing. It's very, Wild. it's, it's, 
it's great. I'm not going to lie to you. If you like vampire yeah. stuff, it's definitely the movie to watch. Um, okay. Wesley Snipes is fantastic as Blade. He's a man of few words. The mm-hmm. villain, Deacon Frost, is A+. He's top-notch, uh, played by Stephen Dorff. Like, you cannot go wrong with that movie, uh, to be honest with you. It totally holds up. Blade 2, iffy. Blade 3, awful. Um, okay. Blade 2 is actually, I'm pretty sure that's Guillermo del Toro that directs that movie. Uh, big name. So... Yeah. Pan's Labyrinth, Guillermo del Toro, like yeah. Cabinet of Curiosities. He directs the second movie. Right. It was like one of his early movies. Yeah, it's <laughs> bizarre. Um, but Queen of the Damned is very heavily informed by that because both of them feel very like Hot Topic Generation. They both feel very okay. like mall goth kind of, you know, platform. The person groups. I wanted to be, but was not allowed to be, basically. Correct. Correct. Vegan leather. Yeah. So watch both of those movies and okay. live your your fanciest wildest teen life i was a teenager at that time and um i'm not gonna lie it was great i was not old enough to go and do all of that stuff mm-hmm. i wasn't old enough to, i was only old enough to watch it um and even that i was barely old enough to watch it i had to do a lot of heavy negotiating i saw queen of the damned in the movie theater with my mother because i was not old enough to see it by myself um so <laughs> like just just reckon no going in that you are here to have fun okay <laughs> You are here to have fun. You are not here to do a fancy analysis of a book that somebody wrote. You are here to enjoy yourself and mm-hmm. smile. That's I'm it. excited for our probably 20 minute <laughs> Patreon special review of that episode. Oh man. You're really, it's, it's, it's wild. Amazing. It's wild. You won't be disappointed. If you guys are interested in hearing more, uh, dear listeners, uh, please definitely peep Rachel's Patreon. Um, it's going to be a Patreon exclusive and we're basically going to uh, roast the hell out of this movie, but also probably talk about how low key good it is for some reason. Yep. Um. <laughs> it's going to be great. It is. Uh, Candace, where can the people, of the internet find you and the stuff you do? You can find me at that Candace girl, C A N D A C E over on Twitter at Candace, the magnificent everywhere else, including Twitch youtube and instagram um i am also in a podcast over on 12-sided stories called bookhound bounty hunter so shout out to them please check it out if you like ttrpgs like dungeons and dragons uh and savage worlds um, i do a whole heck of a lot of that Uh, so take a look at my twitter and follow me uh for more yeah and we'll see you guys next week bye bye